With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Starting things off tonight with H-Bomb, those French-loving, frog-eating people. I figured we'd make our first guest feel a little bit more at home. Even though he's of Italian blood, he is a French-Canadian. We have Maurizio Iacono from Cataclysm. And later on in the show, we have our good friend Steve Gaines and Eric Bryan from Anger is Us. Don't forget to stick around tonight. We've got a great one for you. I believe Tommy is on the line nice and early tonight. My friend, what is going on? Uh, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? <laughs> Uh, hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. We missed you last week. You know, you weren't around. It was your nephew's birthday. Big day yeah. over there, so yeah, time to celebrate you. those things. Anytime. Yeah, man. once in a while, you know. What else do you have besides family and heavy metal? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you had one last week. Now you got the other this week. There you go. Right? All right. Man, I don't know about you, man, but I'm sick as a dog, man. I've been nursing this for like Yeah, you eight. sounded bad on, oh, your, my uh, on your Thursday show. I couldn't even function Thursday. I was like, I was, I was like all doped up on medication. I just let me. I did the show from my bed actually. I took a laptop upstairs. I did it from the bed. I couldn't even move. Wow. Yeah, I was so wow. tired, but uh, I don't yeah. know, man. It's just this cold weather doesn't want to go away. Yeah, yeah, and then you get like those few forty, fifty degree days. Yeah. You know, you might not even change your coat, but you open it, you know, in a draft. I know. I know. You know, as you get older, you know. You, you, you know, feel. you guys just, you know, uh, for the listeners out there, Mike is a few years younger than me, and uh, he used to bust my balls whenever I used to complain about the cold and about <laughs> this and about that. And now he's getting the age that he used to bust my balls at. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> now I'm older, and I'm still <laughs> watching. Uh, you feel it, man. I, I was telling my wife the other day, I, up until last year, I used to shovel in the winter my shorts. Yeah. And flip flops. This year, I'm not going to get the mail. I got three coats on the walk down the end of the driveway. I mean, it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a brutal winter here. Everybody up and down the East Coast, even out in the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, everybody got hammered this year, and it was just bad. And you know, after three months before, it caught up to me. You know, finally got sick. Let's just hope that we get a nice spring and a decent summer this year. Ah uh, man, I tell you, I tell my wife, if you hear me once, come home from work and say, "Damn, it was hot out today." Just kick me in the balls. <laughs> don't, don't even, don't even wait. Just, just give me a shot right in the nuts. There you go. I'll never say that uh, shit. Don't, I know. Don't hot guess, man. All right. Well, look, we got a great show tonight. Uh, Maurizio Iacono from Cataclysm. This is like the uh-huh. second week in a row we've had Canadian bands on to kick off the, you know, the show. And uh, I don't know. I mean, why don't we just take over Canada and make it like the 51st state? I mean, why do we even let them exist as their own country? <laughs> yeah, we can, how, how hard can it be? I think four guys and two water guns, the whole country is ours. <laughs> That's, That's it. Funny. Yeah. Canada's the 51st state. I know Puerto Rico has been like, they want to get in. We keep yeah. them as a commonwealth that goes back and forth. You know, I think Canada's our best bet, man. Maple syrup year round. Yeah, you sure. You got a lot of oil up there. You know, it'd yeah. be a good commodity for us. Yeah, we should take that place <laughs> over. <laughs> we should just take it over. And it'll be peaceful, too, because they don't fight back. There you go. All right. Well, we also got Steve Gaines and Eric Brun, who's a new bass play for Angus. Uh, they're going to be calling uh-huh. live. The second after the show, and I'm excited because the band's coming to New York for the first time this cool. week, so it's going to be great seeing those guys live, you know, hopefully I get better so I'll be able to enjoy it a little bit more, but I'll be there no matter what. All right, let's get some music on so I can rest my voice here, because yes, I'm definitely. All right, we'll do a little acid for you. Here's Warriors of the Dark. Living high up north Coming 
Before that, he gave you Tyrant Rain with Jack the Ripper and some Master with Warriors of the Dark. Nice little triple shot. I'm trying to rest my voice today. I'm really hoarse and really sore from being sick all week long. So uh, I figured I'd give you a couple more songs in a row than normal. Tia, I was reading that uh, Vinny Apathy left Kill Devil Hill right. last week. And I was reading like, uh, I don't know if he did an interview with somebody or whatever, but they had some comments on a, a BWBK he made. And at one point, he made it sound like, you know, he wasn't happy, like, I guess, with the music or the direction of the band. Like, and it's sort of like maybe because I guess Rex Brown has taken it, you know, musically in that area. Even when he was started with the band, it, it never really came off as a Vinny Apathy type of band. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, much, I didn't you know? think it was the good, what do you call it? It didn't, like, fit him as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Uh, but then he also said that he didn't think it was going to be what it was going to be. It was a lot harder getting, like, a new band off the ground. Uh, and I had asked him about that the last time he was on the show. I said, is it easier, you know, with all you guys being, like, you know, kind of name-brand musicians? Everybody knows you from Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, Dio... 
Pantera. And he says, yeah, it helps out, but obviously it didn't because I guess they just weren't getting enough people interested in the band, either out on the road or, you know, album, album sales is hard to get, you know, do anything with today. I mean, you know, the oh, biggest yeah. of bands just aren't showing sales. I mean, it's just, you know, the way it is. Sure. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, so he's out of there. Now he's focusing on Last in Line, which is the original guys from Dio, without Dio, obviously. Right. And uh, they're going to record new music now. So, I, you know, they were doing it as a tribute, like with the Dio Disciples War. They were going out playing Ronnie's music with different members of the band. And these guys are the original uh, Dio members in the band. I forgot who sang with them. I think it was the guy from the band Hurricane. I, right. Uh, Andrew Hurricane. Friedman. He also did, uh, I think he also uh, was with uh, the guitar player from Doc and what the heck's his name? Uh, George Lynch. Lynch, he did the Lynch Mob, I think. Okay. I think it's I think it's Andrew Freeman or something Freeman. Yeah. What's yeah. the guy's name? So he's doing the vocal. Now they're going to do original music. So if you're going to do original music with the guy, why not just come up with a, a, a new name and just write whatever music you're going to write and, well, and play this, that as that band. This is a name, the last in line. I mean, you know, it's but not they're a actually band. Doing, they're out there playing now, doing deal cover. Well, yeah, they, yeah. They wrote music. Well, you I know, mean, they're going to. I mean, any band that has you know famous members is going to. You know he's gonna they're gonna tap into their old catalog. So, but if they do like a majority of Dio tunes and then just sprinkle it with some new last in line songs, then it'll be kind of bogus, you know. But they got to do uh-huh. at least half and half, and then little by little maybe just do two or three Dio songs and keep it with last in line material. But I don't know. It's really weird. But you know I who's playing just with a different name. Well. Yeah, you know who's playing with Kill Devil Hill now? The drummer from uh, Pete Steele's old band. Type uh, Negative. Oh, Type yeah. Negative, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's with them now. That's more of a fit. I can see that. It's more of a fit. Even though right, when you're right. it's a difference. I mean, but, you know, I know drummers don't want to hear that, but I'm just saying. I think they should go in a different name because, let's say, Vivian Campbell, those, so those earlier Dio songs were amazing. You know, even when you yeah. go back to the for Sweet Savage. But, I mean, like, the last 20 years in Def Leppard, I don't think he even wrote a song in Def Leppard, and he's been so, like, weakened by, like, you know, the sound that they've created over the years. Yeah, exactly. What is he going to write now? Yeah, I mean, you don't know if he still has uh, that hard edge to come up with that kind of stuff, you know. And if he wants to hire me, I can give him some riffs. There you go. <laughs> you can take care of that problem for him. I got a bunch of riffs. No I'm not going to deny he's not a great songwriter, but he's been so far removed from the heavy metal, you know, uh, yeah. genre. The edge. The Maybe he's got an minimum. Does he still have that edge? We don't know. Yeah, I'd be Maybe sure. playing, yeah. but then again, maybe playing the deal set. Maybe he's starting to come up with riffs. I mean, because that, you know, that could happen. But I, I don't see, like, I, I don't see the guys. You know, the guys in uh, in Night Ranger. You know, not Night Ranger. I'm sorry. Uh, That's all right. Uh, I'm all fucked. I'm all. I'll fucked tell you what. You keep thinking stuff. of that. Yeah, I'm I'll gonna. I gotta get this Iacono <laughs> going from Cataclysm. Yeah. All right, sit back and relax. Let me get him on the line here. All right. I hate this Skype shit. Let me see if I can do it on. The... No, I'm gonna play a tune and then I'll try yeah, to I get did. it going that way. We'll go right into it. So I don't waste any time. Hang on.
is Mike. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Sorry I'm a little late. I had an interview that went over. Nah, that's okay. No problem. It happens all the time. Cool. Okay. So how's everything going, buddy? How you been? Good, good. Working hard. You know, doing my thing. Uh, I'm glad. Well, it's going to be a busy month for you coming up in April. You guys are hitting the road again, huh? Yep. Yeah, we just came back from Europe. Uh, we had like uh, six weeks out there, and, and uh, we just uh, get, you know, a couple of weeks home and then back on the road. That's how it is. They, it, it, it's always good to be busy in the music business. And, you know, going out on tour, I mean, you're going to go to the U.S., you're going to hit Canada. How is it over here in North America compared to, like, you know, over in Europe? Is it much better over there? As far as I mean, it's another world, man. Uh, you know, yeah. Europe is, uh, you know, we, we've always been strong in Europe, and a lot of bands will say that, oh, we're, we're do well there and not too well in the U.S. I mean, Cataclysm, luckily, is a band that's, you know, a global thing at the moment, which is we're doing pretty good everywhere. But uh, Europe is still going to be the, you know, the, the cradle, you know. That's, that's where everything is happening, especially in Germany and Austria, Switzerland. That's the main market out there in the U.K., and... Uh, our last tour was phenomenal, you know, we were pulling 800, 1,000 people a kid uh, a night, you know, so we're not going to do that here. <laughs> so the U.S. is, a, is another beast, and uh, it's, um, it's a more fast-paced uh, industry, and, you know, it's uh, one month you're great, the other month uh, you're struggling, then you're back up, and that's the way it is, you know. It's true, but it's not like that for Cataclysm. It seems like it's like that for every band in our genre because they prefer to go over to Europe to play here, and I, I don't... If you think back like 25 years ago or so, every band from Europe wanted to come to the U.S. and make it here and break big here. This is the place to be. And how it right. just turned over 20 years, but, you know? But you know what, though? It's, what's crazy is it's, it depends on the band as well. Like, you'll know, you get a five-figure net punch or come here and, uh, you know, doing like 2,000 people a night or 3,000 or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they're playing clubs in, in Europe or Germany that are doing less than what Cataclysm is doing. So it, in Europe, it's... it's it's a different thing, you know. Uh, it, it's, you know, we, we, might, we might be over them in, in some huge uh, open-air festival playing, like, you know, right before, you know, Slayer and Metallica, while us over here, you know, I won't even get on a, on a Mayhem tour, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's a different uh, beast, you know. So yeah, it's rare the bands that are everywhere extremely big, you know. So, uh, or, or they used to be, and then, you know, like doing 2,000 people in New York, and then, they're playing, uh, you know, two years later, and they're doing 500. It's just hard, it's hard to, to gauge it, you know. It is. I you know it's funny. Like when I when I think of your band, I keep thinking that like you're the new guys in the block, even though it's been over 20 years. And I remember getting the Vortex of Resurrection demo back in like 90. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but so I know that how long you guys have been around, but I always feel like you know you're like that new band that comes out. You get that a, a lot. Yes. Um, I think it's just the band keeps reinventing itself, you know, and we, 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 are, we are that type of, uh, we're, we're a different type of band. I think we're a little bit hybrid of a lot of different styles. And I think the, the key element with Cataclysm is we always kept one foot where we come from, the underground, and, and, and always kept it real, and then the other one that ex explores, you know, and it just keeps us kind of uh, in, in, a, in a good pace with everything. And you have to be because, you know, then you just be left behind, you know. This industry is so quick, it's, things change all the time, so. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I, I'll go back to Sorcery up until waiting for the end to come in. You know, every album is cataclysm and it has that sound. It's like you said, you take chances and you experiment from album to album and, you, you know, you mess around with different things. And does that keep mm -hmm. you kind of vibrant and going? 
Yeah, and and you know what? It's just as you get older, man, you start thinking, you know what? I don't have to be the most extreme band in the world, you know, because I know that when I'm gonna fucking reach fifty, I ain't gonna be able to blast beat and do crazy shit like I used to be, you know. <laughs> but so I, I guess you know, the, you know, kidding aside, the the idea of Cataclysm is to write good songs, songs that people can remember, relate to, you know. And that's what we've always wanted to do, you know. It's just that we're not that type of band that like you know is just trying to outdo itself every time we're doing twenty five thousand riffs. You know, um, I'm a I'm huge ACDC believer. That sometimes less is more. You know, and, and it's just you do the right fucking song and people get into it. You don't do the right song, then they might be amazed at your speed for like a month, but then you'll be forgotten. You know, and uh, the cool thing about Cataclysm is that you know we 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 can go on a set, play 15 songs that night, and there's going to be 15 different songs that people remember and know automatically on the first note. And I think that's difficult with death metal and extreme music, you know. Yeah, well, one thing about your bands is that you've always had monster riffs and they stand out. Where other bands, sometimes you listen to a song and you don't know where it starts or ends. There's nothing that goes right, right. the song. <laughs> no, where, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm not saying everything has to be melodic, but there's got to be something that's memorable to a song, you know. And, and you guys right, right. Out. No, for sure. There's got to be hooks, man. I mean, that, that's what music's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be something that you listen to or it gets you to the core and you know, you get attached to something, you know, and if it's just a big blur, it's cool for when you're angry, but what about when you just want to chill, you know, and listen to music? Exactly. So I, that's my opinion, man. Maybe we're old farts and nobody understands that part yet, you know. Yeah. Well, like, like you say, I mean, you've been around since the early 90s. Back then, I mean, metal was still king all over the place. I mean, Metallica mm-hmm. just went through the roof. All other bands that were in the underground were starting to get signed to majors. And mm-hmm. what, I mean, not, not many years later, it just seems like the rug got pulled out from under everybody. How did you guys deal with that, being a relatively younger band back then, just starting out? Well, you know, it, it's, we, we, back then you'd get signed, and it was a big deal, right? And, and when Nuclear Blast signed Cataclysm, we were, you know, all in Canada. Like, now I'm living in the States, I'm in Chicago, and my guitar player is out of Dallas. But back then, when we were up in Canada, um, it was unheard of to get signed and when we got signed we were the only extreme metal band or metal band that was signed at the time to a major the only annihilator had dropped got dropped by roadrunner um Voivod had no label it was gorgots was dropped by roadrunner it was just cataclysm you know so that was all the attention you know and it was a handful of bands now it's just anybody could get signed anywhere it doesn't matter then they do two records they're gone and then they just put their music online for free and it's just it's just a completely different beast you know and we, we grew up in a different way and things were special and uh, you go to the record store buy a record and you'd wait in line for the you know record that you wanted and you just hear different albums. It was an event, you know. Now it's just, you know, instant music right away in your in your iPod, and there is no interaction, you know. So it's a it's a different uh, place to be. Maybe it's going to be a great place to be in the future. Right now, it's just in transition mode, I think. And uh, when you said like, you know, that rug got pulled over under everybody, everybody was in shock. And what's happening now is that because there's no royalties coming in or or big support from record labels, well, everybody's on the road. So now it's like, you know, there's 25 tours going in one month, and who's got the money to see them all, you know? So bands break up, and you're going to see a lot more bands getting broken up, you know, it's for sure. Yeah, you know, that's it's unfortunate. hard. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the hardest time ever. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a band, if you're starting a band now, it's the hardest time ever to start a band. It's just really difficult out there. You need a lot of help, and with the, all the help in the world, you barely make it. 
you know it's yeah. sad it's sad it's sad because uh, for young bands that, that are you know right now there's a band in a garage somewhere that's better than Metallica or any of these bands it's not going to make it because it doesn't have the chance you know what I mean nobody's going to put money in them nobody's going to develop them so they're going to just die out you know that's what's happening there's no you know for me the last big rock star band in metal was Pantera you know uh, I, I don't see anybody like that since then. Who's coming with revolutionizing the whole thing? Slipknot, maybe, you know, but there hasn't been. You know, Slayer, Metallica, there's no more, there's no more bands like that. And it's, everybody's sounding the same. Everybody's playing safe, and, you know, it's just a different place. It's true. I mean, you know what? Every band is influenced by somebody. It's what they take from that and put their own into it that makes it, you know, takes that band to the next level, like you guys. But you're mm -hmm. right. There's not a lot of that going on anymore. You'll hear... 200 death metal bands that all sound alike. You couldn't tell who's who. Right, exactly. And, and that's, it's been a problem for Cataclysm because we don't want to be like everybody else. We've always had our own style and we've always been, you know, out of the, the whole elite type of, you know, industry thing. And because we were uh, our own style and sound, you know, that we had uh, a personality, uh, it's like, oh, well, you know, you're not like everybody else. I don't want you on this tour. I don't want, you know. So we were forced to headline and create our own fan base you know and it's we, it's been like that for for a long time for cataclysm you know it, it took uh, ozzy for some reason uh to, to invite us on Ozfest, you know which was surprising and then you know on that thing the, when we did Ozfest, um rob halford was completely impressed with cataclysms like I, I always heard the name never knew about you guys and now it's like wow you're like the, the surprise of the second stage you know so stuff yeah. like that happens when you get exposed but when you don't have people that want to expose you because they don't believe that you fit in, then that's when things become generic, you know. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, and that's, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. You started your own booking agency, I believe, a while back. I mean, does this yeah. come out of the necessity for, like, what you're saying that, you know, you have to yes. do it on your own? <laughs> well, it, it was like, you know, sometimes I was, you know, on a brand-new record and selling, like, you know, uh, 30,000, 40,000 units in the U.S., which for death metal is phenomenal, you know. We're killing it, and nobody's offering us tours. And I was just like, why? You know, and it's just like, well, you know, some of the bands don't relate because you're not doing 25,000 riffs in a song, and some of them are just, you know, not interested because they don't know you guys. And so, well, it doesn't work like that, you know what I mean? So at some point, I've always been a proactive guy, you know, and working on things that um, I wanted to make a difference uh, in certain situations, you know. And I started my own agency, and it's at the moment the fastest-growing agency in the U.S., for metal bands, and we, we bring a European mentality to it, you know. We provide us on certain tours, buses, you know, and do a festival type of tour. Uh, we take care of the bands. You know, I'm doing it as if I was, you know, being taken care of. You know what I mean? So it's, and I know that the Europeans have a very good system, and I try to bring it into the U.S., obviously caused a little bit of friction between agencies and stuff, but hey, man, you know, it needs, a, 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 you know, an overhaul, you know, the whole industry here. And uh, I'm trying my best, and we're signing more and more bands. Things are looking great, you know, so it's, does, we're doing something right, you know. Definitely. So. I, I think because the fact that, you know, you're on, not a, you, you got the business, you got both ends of it going, you know what it's like to get screwed and not to get those offers brought to you. So other bands must really appreciate the fact that you're not just a booker, you're not just an agent, you're, you're a musician who knows what they're going through. <laughs> Exactly, and, and that's, that's the main thing. You know, I know when I'm sending my bands, if they got good pre-sales in like a House of Blues, Chicago or Dallas or whatever, I know that what they're going to eat for dinner, you know what I mean? And I know <laughs> what they're going to have if they don't have good pre-sales. It will be burgers and hot dogs, you know. So I, I can tell you 
every inch of this country clubs everything. And I think bands appreciate that, you know, and also the fact that I'm one of them. I'm still on the field, you know, yeah. and, and, there's, and they, they, they're like, they see me as like, well, you're one of us that's up there talking to all these motherfuckers and trying to change something, you know, because yeah. if you leave it up to some old fucking guy that doesn't give a shit, that just wants to fill up his pockets and not give a fuck about, you know, anybody's well-being or, or you know, matching up with the right bands together, well, you know, then it's just going to die, and when that big guy, when he retires, he's not going to give a fuck, you know. Like, like they let the whole industry fall apart by, with the whole downloading and all that crap. They, they let it fall apart. So it's because as you got guys that are making billions that were in their 50s, 60s making billions, and now they're making millions. Big deal for them, you know. Yeah, but right. for the rest of us, it's a fucking complete massacre, you know. It's so, so it'll true. change, man. I don't want to. Didn't want to turn the interview into a depressive thing, but no, not at know. all. But I know what you're saying. I know what you're getting at, and that's just the state of the business right now. Like it's like a roller coaster, right? It's gonna have its ups and its downs. Exactly, it's gonna go back up. I mean, things will change. It'll right. be a different model, and uh, things things will adapt again. You know, we're we're, we're finding out that that fans prefer to have less bands on a package, but have the bands they like with the style of that, that's more like in the 90s where you would have three death metal bands, but they would be like Cannibal Corpse with like, let's say, uh, I don't know, Immolation and um, I don't know, uh, another one in the same style. You know, like they want to yeah. they wanna go, they want to spend the money, but on what they like. They don't want to have, you know, Cannibal Corpse with three death core bands that, you know, guys with hats looking like hip hoppers on stage. It's, it doesn't work anymore. You know, that, that worked for a little bit in the 90s, like late 90s, early 2000s. Now it's changed. You yeah. know, it's going back to the roots a little bit, I find. Yeah, pe- yeah people want to see like-minded bands, you know, bands that are similar, but yet, you know, have their own style and standing where you go to some of these festivals and you can tell Kip Rock and then 10 minutes later, Cataclysm's coming on and then you got right. Black Sabbath and you got Motley Crue, you know, on the same bill. Right. So, yeah. Not everything's depressing. There are good things. I mean, yeah. The business end of it is kind of rough right now. It's been that way for years. When you guys started, you know, the record company was still king, and they kind of ruled the world. Now it's different. And you were saying, like, the band downloads 25 to 40,000 records, and that's great for metal. But I think a lot of people don't realize it was probably three times that amount that of the albums that are out there. But, you know, people downloaded them illegally, the other two-thirds of them. So Exactly. Yeah. And, and what, what's it done? It's given more power into the band's hands. You know, so that's that's really cool. And, and with, with Facebook and with uh, the Internet, you're able to reach a lot more kids, a lot more people get to know who you are. But instead of, you know, them knowing you as a catalog band or whatever, they're getting to know you as, a, oh, I saw, I saw the video on YouTube. I, I know this song, this song, you know. I don't know if it's enough to get a lot of the, the you know, people to follow you like the same way back, like back in the day, you know. But it, it's definitely opening up a lot of doors. Um, it's a new world, and uh, I embrace it, man. You know, I think at some point things have to change, and you know, if, if music becomes free and it's going to be something that we can't sell anymore, well, there's going to be other, you know, ven- uh, avenues to to make money. You know, there's always going to be a way because music just not going to die. You know, people still like to go see concerts. You know, people still want to. You know, a world without music is, is a dead end. You know, so it's I, I don't see a problem with that. No, I mean, you know, being that you, you cover both ends of the ass, you know, the business in general, is social media pretty much the only way today to promote a band? I mean, is that the only way to get the name out there? Or you start to, you know, stick the flyers you know, up on it, 
for for cataclysm, you know, we've tested it. I mean, you know, uh, you, you can buy ads, you know, and, and it's okay online and stuff. But uh, to me, Facebook is everything at the moment. You know, uh, it's you know, we have something like what 450,000 followers at the moment. You know, and and it's like if I put something on there, I get shitloads of people. All my fans know what's going on. You know, if 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 you know, there is no other better venue than that. If if I put an ad that I spent five thousand dollars on an ad online on something um unless it's somewhere where you can generate a lot of traffic it's not worth it you know even in the magazine who's buying magazines that's dying too you know anything that's real that you could touch is dying that's that's the thing i'm sad about you know but you know you can't blame people you you can't put a magazine out once a month and and with news that's like fucking three months old Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like now yeah. you just go online, boom, instant. You know, so the world's changing into instant information. And um, I think social media is everything to promote now. I think it's, it's I think, 80% or 70%, and then the rest is live, 30%. And you get the, the live out of the promotion you do online. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so it's like you promote it live, you're going on tour. You know, people come to see you, and then, oh, wow, they're great live. But it's 70% at least, you know. It's, everything's online. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's easier. It's easier than it used to be, you know. Imagine back in the day how much money they were throwing away at, at, at magazines. Or we'll buy a, an ad here, this magazine, this other magazine, and next thing you know, they got like, you know, $50,000 on ads, you know. It's like now it's just a couple of grand on, online, you put it on Blabbermouth, people know it, done, you know. Yeah. I know. I so. guess because I'm, I guess because I'm old school and I'm used to the magazine. It's like you're saying, everything is so instantaneous to me. People don't even wait for the nightly news to come on anymore. They just go onto the computer and they find everything going on within a minute, you know. And we will right. kind of lose that part of it, and it's a shame, but it's the way of the world. But when I look back on the band, like in, in its whole, going from the beginning till now, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any band out there that's been as consistent with you guys, even like as far as the lineup goes. I was talking about the Spinal Tap drummer situation where they keep coming and going. You guys are Right, right. That, that's, so that's the one we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys are so consistent line, and even with Nuclear Bliss. I mean, since the beginning, I mean, that's kind of unheard of. Yeah, yeah. We are, at the moment, us and Meshuga are the oldest uh, signed bands to Nuclear Blast, you know. Uh, we're the, the band that's signed, re-signed to Nuclear Blast the most times. I think we're at four or five times that we, we re-signed with them. Um, their family, you know, it's one of those, the owner discovered the band uh, out of a basement, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. when you, when you look at that and label was only five years old when, when, when they signed us four or five years old, uh, you know, you grow, you, we grew with them and it's one of those things where you don't want to let go of something like that. And they don't want to let go of their past either, you know, because we're for them a success story, you know, of a working class band, you know? So it's one of those things where we've, always had a great relationship and uh, I don't see that changing, you know. Uh, sometimes you wonder if it'd be different if you go somewhere else to try something new, you know. Uh, but sometimes you got to, you know, when something is a, is a winner situation, then why change, you know. And, uh, Absolutely. We, yeah, and we got to line up with brothers, you know. We work hard. We spend more time with each other on the road than we've been with our families, you know. So it's one of those things where when we decided to do this, uh, you know, we were in it for the long run, which is pain, suffering, and, you know, and making it, you know, it's, and that's, that was, you know, the, the consequences of it, and we all, we all agree that's what we're going to do, you know. Unfortunately, we, uh, with the drummer, we've had uh, some issues, and lately, again, uh, he, he, he went through some dark passages, and, 
you know, uh, also with alcohol and also with his, uh, uh, he's been in rehabilitation for, uh, you know, his arms, like his, his forearms giving him problems. And, you know, as you get older, it's little things like that that start happening to play, people that play in death metal, you know. It's, it's been hard, but, you know, with the, with the guy we got now that's on the new record, uh, Oli is, is a phenomenal drummer and, you know, he's, he's turning heads everywhere and brought some fresh air to the band, some fresh blood, and it's, can't, can't, it's not hurting us at all, you know. So it's, we're still three quarters original, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's that's impressive in itself today. You know, just keeping a band mm-hmm. together that long. And I, I, right. I don't know if I read this wrong last month on Facebook, but XDO is it over and done with, or is it just kind of like well, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where the band's growing and uh, Cataclysm continues to grow. And I got the agency, I got the management. You know, I don't know if you knew that. I also manage bands. Yeah. Uh, I have a company called Hard Impact. I manage bands like Flesh God Apocalypse and uh, Septic Flesh, Ailstorm, just a bunch of bands. And, and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it, it's it's too much, you know, and I had to kind of cut something off. And next day, was the more expendable out of everything, you know. And it's, you know, I'm not saying I'm not going to do another record. You know, I might come back to it for, for to do one more or something. But the touring end of it was extremely hard on us because it's a, it's a whole theatrical thing and it's very expensive and, it's just another another world, you know. I love history, you know. I'm Italian origin, and I, I I grew up with the Roman stuff, you know, in my family, and it's something I wanted to do, you know. I didn't relate to the Viking stuff out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> there have been some great stuff over there, and the band really consisted mostly of Cataclysm members, you know, uh, new and old uh, over time. And was this stuff that you ever made it, that you said, I know we can't do this with Cataclysm, this type of music, we have to, you know, do something different with it. Right. Uh, you know what? Are you talking about with Exdale? What do you thought? Like, what were you, like, I didn't understand the question, I think. Oh, I was saying because Exdale was mostly, you know, Cataclysm members uh, that you did right. it with. Was the music mm-hmm. that you wanted to do for that band something that you said, we can't really do this with Cataclysm? We have to do something right, different because right. it doesn't have that vibe? Right, right. No, absolutely. And it's, Cataclysm is more of a social-based band. It's more about street smarts and stuff that happens on the streets and political a little bit and touches a little bit of different things, you know, um, you know, dealing with life and death and stuff like that. I mean, it's more of a real band, you know. Exdeo is more of a historic type thing. It doesn't really fit the Cataclysm uh, concept. And we wanted the orchestra thing, you know. We wanted the like, Gladiator soundtrack, you know. So it's, it, it doesn't really fit. And Cataclysm, man, has been active non-stop, you know, since, since we formed in 91, 92, you know. So the band uh, needed a break. So I didn't want to do this project and leave my guys behind. So I did it as a solo thing in the beginning, but the guys were with me the whole time, you know. So then I introduced the whole band as the same guys when we played live, and people loved it. And, you know, the beginning was a bit weird, you know, but then it just, it caught, you know, it really caught fire, and um, it was doing well, and it's just, you know, the last tour we did was great, but it's just, like I said, it's getting too busy, you know, and at some point i got to make some time for the family as well. i got a nine-year-old son, and I need to be here a little bit, you know. Absolutely. Listen, Maurice, I'm not going to keep you much longer, man. I appreciate you talking with me today, and I'm thrilled because the first stop on the tour is my old hometown of Brooklyn, New York, at St. Vitus, so, I mean, I'll be awesome. right up. Maybe will you be there? That day. Yeah, I'll be right up in the front. Don't worry about that. All right, brother, and I'll see you there. We'll catch a beer. I'm looking forward to it. You got it. Take care, Maurizio. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, Mr. Maurizio Iacono of Cataclysm. You know what, T? I'm just going to wait for Kenny to call in uh, so I can get somebody else to do the talking for a little bit. I can rest my voice a little bit more. But uh, he's not on time. I'm going to have to give him a tardy slip. I told him 6.50 to be ready to go. 
I don't know. We're going to have to, you well, know, if we really uh, disciplined our staff around here, he would be written up by now, probably even suspended. I'm surprised he didn't uh, phone it in because uh, I think he went, to, he took a trip this week. I don't know. Yeah, he's back from his trip. Uh, so, oh, he's uh, back from his trip. Okay, yeah, he's cool. back from his trip. So I figured we let him do a little talking for a few minutes and let everybody know what's going on in the New York City area this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. He's he's slacking off there. So, you know what? I'm going to get a tune-on only because I don't want to talk. I'm trying to save my voice with Steve and Eric when course, they call in. So let me see what I can do over here for you. He'll just have to wait, Kenny, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. He'll be late for his own funeral, this guy. <laughs> All right, let me see. You know what? Hang on a second. I think we got him on the line. Where is he? All right, he's calling it now. He said he forgot. It goes to show you how important we are in the life of Mr. Ken Pierce from PissingMetal.com. He's a busy man. Yeah, I know. When I cut him his paycheck this week, we'll see if he uh, likes getting that late. Right, Kenny? Well, what about... Wait, first of all, I heard you say paycheck. Now, I, I, you, are you... Did you expect this Ken to call you in? For, I've, with the I, word I've, been those, I've been sending those paychecks to you on a regular basis. You haven't been getting them? Oh, oh, oh. I uh, was hypnotized by the absolute logic of Maurizio Iacona over there, but uh, you gotta love that the, tinge of a, a tiny accent mixed in with the French Canadian. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, a big like guy, that. so it'd be nice to him. He'll stomp you down. Oh, I know. Well, I think in about another two or three months, we're gonna take over Canada anyway, make it the 51st state. I'm petitioning for that right now with the government. So who actually really works gonna, for us? Well, are are you really gonna guy. run with that one? You just you think that's gonna work out? You don't think? I uh, think so. We All the Canadian bands are going to protest. and uh, I don't see why not. We got, we got the same healthcare system they have now, so they should be thrilled. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, we gotta get <laughs> we got to figure that out, too, over here. Yeah. So, I know. Hey, so, um, so, so check it out. Uh, I should uh, should start you now. You talked about some band changes before. You said how how uh, Vinny Apsey was out of... Um, Kill Devil Hill. Kill Devil Hill and uh, Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative, uh, formerly of Typo Negative, I guess we have to say now because there is no more Typo Negative. Uh, that that was an interesting thing. Didn't didn't Vinny Apathy start Kill Devil Hill pretty much? Like, you know, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, it was his band. Well, since so, I just uh, I don't like the direction my else. own band is taking. What the, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so. Weird. Yeah, so that's pretty weird and hey so let me tell you there have been some very very crucial metal band changes this particular week and uh, I am sad to announce that Miss Angela Gossow mm. has stepped down as the lead singer for Arch Enemy right she is now going to focus on being the band's manager oh I didn't know that interesting yeah she's going to focus on being the band's manager and in her place will be the lovely and super talented Alisa White Blues of The Agonist. And uh, there's a video with Alisa already uh, out there. I actually put up a, a little quick blog post to uh, to showcase how, how Alisa looks in the band. And, and, of course, you know, the fans are, uh, some of the fans are behind it and some of the fans are crapping on her being in the band. And they got to remember that uh, Angela was also the second singer of Arch Enemy. There was a guy in the band before Angela joint. So um so that'll be it'll be interesting. I'm hoping uh that uh, Elisa brings it to the table and having seen her with the agonist a number of times over the years, I'm pretty sure that we will be suitably entertained. Um what that also means is that Elisa is no longer a part of the agonist. Uh she uh she has been replaced by a uh, a 
pretty unknown uh, figure in metal, they said, uh, and I've never heard of the girl either, so I guess that's kind of true. Um, Vicky Sarakis is uh, the new lead singer of The Agonist, and I, I've been looking on YouTube for, for clips of her uh, singing uh, tunes or audition tapes, and I have not found anything yet. So uh, I guess we'll all be surprised and see how she does it. Uh, Elisa put out a statement just to go on this for a second. Said she did want to stay with the agonist, but this is a kind of weird thing, you know. Um, how does how do you stay with a band that you you know you were really suffering in because you know you you know these are the bands that are on the third stage of of shows and uh, and now you're in a band that's headlining the bigger places. How do you you can't stay with them because you know your band becomes a second. Uh, thing, you know, waiting on your own schedule, you know, you can't even play because your singer's off around somewhere else. Yeah. Well, any, are any of those bands playing in New York this week? Um, well, there's a lot of bands playing in New York, for, but you didn't you say your friends are playing somewhere? Those Art as Anger guys or Anger is Art, where are they playing? First, they are playing me, at so. the Asheron in Brooklyn this week. The Asheron? So are we going? Are you driving tea? You I am up? going we'll Thursday. Go. I am going, going Thursday night. Yeah, of course. They're my yeah. buddies. I'm not going to miss them. Okay. I wish I could do both shows, uh, Wednesday in New Jersey and Thursday, but unfortunately, Con uh, Edison says, no, 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 only one day off this week, so I can only do one show. Oh, well, how dare that, Con Edison. I, I know, I know. They need my services, hey. go figure. Hey, you know, so, uh, so like you always tell the bands, uh, we'll have a beer together. Why don't we go have a beer together and see Anger Resort on Thursday night together? Sure, as long as you're I'm buying, free. I'm there. I'm free. So we'll figure it out. Hey, but listen, here's what's going on elsewhere in the Metal Republic. We have uh, nothing going on tonight that I see on the horizon or tomorrow, but Tuesday, man, holy crap, Tuesday is a is a crazy day. You got the Winery Dogs, that, that hit band with Mr. Richie Kotzen and a drummer that I don't know if you've ever heard about before. Mike Portnoy, uh, he's a new guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great Mike Portnoy uh Star of stage and stage and stage will be uh, over at the uh, BB King Blues Club with their bass player Billy Sheehan delivering that rock and roll bluesy good that the Winery Dogs are capable of. And they're playing two nights at BB King's, man. Uh, they are playing on Tuesday and on Wednesday. Uh, the band Pacifier is with their unique blend of progressive rock, dubstep, and reggae through the Marlin Room at Webster Hall. And that show was originally scheduled to be at the Gramercy Theater, which I will speak about in a hot minute. Uh, my list indulgence is over at Irving Plaza. While the Allman Brothers continue their infiltration of the Beacon Theater with a show at the Beacon Theater on Wednesday. Uh, on Tuesday. Uh, also on Wednesday. Go figure. Hey, so Wednesday you got that other show by uh, the Winery Dogs and that other show by the Allman Brothers, but I want to tell you where I'm going to be. I am going to be um, with Metal on Metal and Hope in Hell, and you know who I'm talking about, right? The great Anvil is going to be over at Santos Party House, and that's got our good friend, Mr. Sal, uh, Sal Main, on the base now, so... Kind of happy to see that uh, going on in New York City. Nice to see Anvil back. Thursday, you've already mentioned Anger is Art over at the Acheron, but the band Pui is over at Drum, which is some kind of smaller art space. They're going to do an acoustic show for their fans. 
Friday night is a busy night, too, man. you got Dream Theater at Hammerstein Ballroom. And you have the first of two nights with Children of Bodom, Death Angel, and Tori. So that is going to be going on Friday and on Saturday at Irving Plaza. Allman Brothers deliver us another Beacon Theater show. And the album Pariah's Child by Sonata Arctica is coming out on Friday. On Saturday, those are the two shows that I just mentioned, uh, the band The Ocean and Scale the Summit are at the studio at Webster Hall. And that show was also previously scheduled at the Gramercy Theater. And down early in the afternoon at the Penn Plaza Pavilion, you got the second annual Hot Sauce Expo. Now, why on earth am I mentioning a Hot Sauce Expo on your program, Mike? Yeah, well, because no last time I went to this, you had Chris Cavalry there, you had Eddie Ojeda, and these guys have hot sauce. And it's a fun day to just check out what these guys are doing outside of rock and roll, man. And that's going to happen on Sunday, on Saturday and on Sunday. So now, Mike, I know you wanted to ask me what's going on with Gramercy Theater, didn't you? No, I really didn't, but go ahead. You're going to go on anyway, so go ahead. And I know I'm going to go on anyway. Hey, so the Gramercy Theater is, is, uh, is going to be hosting the Janis Joplin uh, Broadway play, A Night with Janis Joplin. It is taking residency at the Gramercy Theater, so all performances for the next three months or so appear to be uh, canceled or rescheduled for other venues if the means allow. So uh, so for the duration, we'll be saying goodbye to the Gramercy Theater as a metal room, and I'm going to miss it terribly, but uh, they are putting in the Broadway show in there. and It was a theater originally, so it does make sense for this kind of thing to happen. And that, guys, is all I have for you. I know it was a lot to digest, but you're sick anyway, Mike. You can't talk. Tommy never likes to say anything other than he's plugging along, right, T? And, uh, I'm still here. Yeah, and you know that I'll never stop talking if you let me get a, a, an inch. I'll take three miles. So that, my friends, is all I got. Remember to find Piercing Metal on Facebook, on Twitter, and on that lovely Instagram. And I will talk to you all next week. And, Mike, let's get some uh, plans out for Thursday. Cheers. I will. Take care, Kenny. All right, Mr. Ken Pierce from com. You know what? We're going to have to put a time limit on Kenny from now on. Well, when you're not feeling well, you don't mind. Uh, yeah, I know, but I got guests waiting in the wings. Oh, okay. You know, I told him to call back in 15 minutes. Okay. All right. You know how when you get older, like, you want every minute of every hour of every day and every week, like, just to stretch out as long as possible? Because, you know, oh, well, you know yeah. you're coming to the end and you're getting older and you want it to last as long as possible? <laughs> After so, hearing that constant count update, I'm I'm putting into the government for the bridge work week. Just give us Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and let's cut up the other day of the week out. Did he go into uh, October with that? Uh... I think he was in November when we left <laughs> off today. I think he started talking about construction of a new arena for 2019 in uh, Brooklyn somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mr. Ken Pierce of PiercingMetal.com. Let's get on a tune. And the guys from Angry Result will be calling it in a few minutes. Well, actually about 15 minutes. So let's stick with New Jersey. Here's Hades. Okay.
76 or something they started. Mm-hmm. They were around for a long time. Excuse me, one second here. Hold on, everybody. I have to cough. I don't want to do it in everybody's ear, but uh, they broke up a long time ago, and they had gotten back together in 2009, but I think the only original member right now is the guitar player, and uh, they changed the name of the band, uh, Night of Living Death or something. They came back as Black Death, and now there's a whole bunch that guy's in the band. That's why they, they changed the name. I don't know. He was the only original member left in the group. And I think they're playing at the Ragnarok uh, Middle Apocalypse Festival uh, in another month. So I have to check that out and find out for sure. I think that's the band calling me right now. Who knows? All right. But, uh, yeah, but, but I'm just saying over there. Uh, they were a great band. And um, hang on a second over here. I don't know who's who's calling over here. Oh, I thought that was the band calling on the other line. Okay. I apologize, everybody. So is cough medicine. 
But a uh, great band, like I was saying. And I don't know if you saw the other day, they were making this big thing that Robert Guglielmo, I'm sorry, um, that the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway, they finally have like the first black person playing the Phantom. Right. Did you read that? All the, all the black organizations were like thrilled, because like, they've been like protesting, I guess, or fighting over that for years, that why isn't there a black man playing the Phantom? But Robert Guglielmo played Benson, who was actually the Phantom like 20 years ago. I don't know if it was in California or one of the other you know, shows that they have. Right, it was you know, not just Broadway. But he actually did it 20 years ago, so I don't know why like, they were hyping on it like that. They don't have a black... Maybe because it's Broadway and it's like, you know, Broadway's yeah. like the big one. I don't get it, but they, they're going nuts over that. So they finally made a black phantom who's going to take over now. But how come the white people in the white groups don't do it? Now, I'm not racist, but how come we don't do it? How come we didn't protest that there were no white people playing slaves and 12 years a slave? How come we didn't protest that there were no white people playing the butler and the butler? How come we don't do it? How come we didn't protest that no white people were playing slaves and roots? How come we don't do that? Aren't we being discriminated against? Isn't an actor an actor? An actor is supposed to take on and play any role, right? One can say that, yeah, one could say that. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. that's why I have to give uh, Ben Stiller credit, because in Tropic Thunder, he had uh, uh, oh. Robert Downey Jr., you know, white man play black man, so I have to give him credit for that. But I just don't like it when the black groups protest, like, you know, to get things done for themselves, and we don't I'm do that. And I'm, a, and I'm not racist, and I'm not saying it in a racist way, but you know what? The next time there's a movie being made about slaves, I'm going to protest that they have a white guy playing a slave. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I'm just tired of people protesting. Just carry there on you with your life, man. There's a I lot know. better things to protest about. I hear know. that. Well, you know what? Our guests are on the line right now, so I'm going to connect them. You know, right. I'm a simple guy. I don't ask for much in life. You know that. The only two things I really have ever asked for in life. That was like an average-sized penis and have angers all come to New York and play. So I got one of my dreams. It's a disappointment to my wife that it's not the other one, but at least I got one of my dreams coming true. The guys are coming, the guys are coming to New York, and uh, I want to welcome my fellow Buzz Club Reward member, Mr. Steve Gaines and Eric Bryan. Guys, how you doing with him tonight? Where are you guys? You there? Matter of seconds. Dude, I'm sorry to hear about your, uh, the size of your penis. That really must suck. I... You're not, as, you're not as upset as my wife, Steve, let me tell you. Nobody's more upset than her. But I, I got a hunch. The, dude, the last time we did an interview, isn't this exactly about where we left off? Pretty much, I think, yeah. <laughs> you guys always been talking about his dick? Yeah. Well, you know, it's to me. Well, no, 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 not so much about that per se, but more about the size. Yeah, I mean. Fair enough. I put the thing in my hand. It could be a foot long, 18. I can make it anything I want. I can live with that. I'm fine. In my head, it's the biggest thing in the world. But, you know, I'm not the one that's got to take care of it, you know. It's well, the thing is, it's all about how you though. use it. You got to be able to <laughs> use it good. If it's yeah, big, small, whatever. Yeah, that's a mess. They say that, but it's not true. I, I've listened to some women talk. It's not true. <laughs> I've been to quite a few Tupperware parties over the years, and you know where I get my Tupperware at Big Lots. It's cheaper than anywhere else. I was there yesterday, Steve. I was doing research <laughs> on the latest products. We had something to talk about at the music range right today. Right, here's the thing, man. The best thing about Big Lots is all the junk food that you can only get in the Northeast. They sell at Big Lots. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're going to so, be. So, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to picking that up on any street corner here this coming week. How are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing great, man. It's great to have you. I'm even more. I'm more excited that you're coming here to New York finally. I mean, we're going to see two shows by you guys. You got New Jersey covered. You got New York covered. It's going to be fantastic this week, man. It's long overdue, man. We, just, we should have done this a long time ago, but we're doing it now. So here we are. Hey, that's all that, man. Well, you know what? It comes at a great time too because this is a big year for the band. You got Eric in the band now. Eric, you're with them now. Ten year anniversary. Yeah. Coming off a great record a year ago, you know, so does it get any better than that right now? It, well, it could get a lot better. I mean, I was listening to your uh, interview with Maurizio, and he talks about the state of the finances. Yeah, we could all be rich and driving Ferraris, but you know what? I'll take it. 
Yeah, tell me that guy's not a worth, I do drive a Ferrari. Oh, that's right. Eric does. That's why we got him in the band because he has a cool car. Hey, that's all. Yeah, I was talking to him recently. I tell you, I was getting depressed. I wanted to slip my wrist. That guy was really bringing me down. You know what? There was a topic that was going around online. I don't know if you saw it, Mike, but um, somewhere between Vinny Apice talking about leaving uh, Kill Devil Hill and Rob Flynn talking about uh, the state of Metallica yeah. and the state of metal and everybody just kind of uh, – everybody's grumbling. Yeah, times are tight, but by the same token, I mean, what does it do to your art? What do you do with your music? Do you use it to motivate you? Um, it, it's a tough one. It, I, uh, Mary, maybe Eric has some insight on that, but I'm just, I'm, I, I walk a very thin line on that. I think, you know, on one hand, yeah, we'd like to make more money. On the other hand, it's more inspiring to me because when you're hungry, you want to get fed, not when you're fat and happy. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, true. <laughs> what it's worth on my end, I've never gotten fed for it ever, you know, so my perspective has always been just trying to make good music because that's all I ever wanted to do. Um, but as far as a lot of these guys want to hear, you know, Vinny Epicea said it, Rob Flynn more, I guess. Um, when I hear people who make sort of pedestrian metal complaining about the business <laughs> taking away their artistic sensibilities, I kind of call bullshit. I think you should try better music. I have to agree with you there. <laughs> you know, I, I got I to cut it off right here. Uh, one of the biggest bummers about getting Eric into the band is he was always the best interview we did when he used to have a radio show. And now we can't interview ourselves, so, Mike, you step up to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to forgive me because I've been sick as a dog all week and my voice is hoarse, so, you know. I'm, uh, I'm, you're I'm doing fine. But, you know, we'll get to Eric now. Eric, I mean, you know, these guys have been around for a long time in one form or another, different bands. Steve is like a veteran of the scene. I mean, when you come into yeah. a band, first, how did you even hook up with the guys? Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've been in contact. Steve was the first interview I ever did in my, you know, semi-professional journalistic career in metal. I was uh, 16 <laughs> writing for my uh, college, uh, my college, my high school newspaper. That's right. Uh, and uh, we have stayed in contact. I've seen Anger more times than any other band. That's including Overkill, which is a big deal for me. Um, and um, and I was lucky enough to get the call. I think before Henry was hired, I had contacted Steve saying I was interested. Um, and Henry got the job, and he did a great job. And when uh, when he chose to bow out, they called me up, and I've been having a blast ever since. It, it goes a little deeper than that, too. I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Eric, but when uh, when Javier moved on and we brought Angela in, that's the first time we ever thought, could Eric come in and do this? But you were, I think you were graduating high school at that point in time. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, either that or it was something having to do with you going to school. It's like, no, you've got to get your education. I would hate to see you waste an education, you know, slumming with us. But uh, things work out, don't they? Yeah, they sure so great. Oh, I'm glad. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, the fit's got to be there, too. You know, so you got to have some kind of camaraderie, and it's got to work out on all levels for everybody. I guess that's how it sounds like just the way you guys are talking back and forth to each other, that, you know, that there's something there that, you know, you get along well in the band. So, we do. Yeah. We absolutely. do, and including the other guys as well. It's just, it's, I think we had kind of a rule that it's always kind of been this way, that there's, and we just don't want any bullshit to come in between the four of us. Uh, just, like, leave all that crap at the door. Let's treat each other like human beings. And the sad fact for some of the guys that have moved on looking for greener pastures, because it's what we tried to do. Yeah. You broke up a little bit there, Steve, but I call, I call mostly what you were saying over there. But do you think that's, like, the hardest thing today about being in a band is just trying to find the right guys to play with? Because, you know, in the 80s, like you said, you know, you would live out of your car. You would do any, you, 
take any sacrifice to make it. And, you know, right. it seems like a lot of people don't have that drive to that. They want to play, but only if it's convenient, like on a Saturday afternoon when I'm not doing anything, or I could come every other week for rehearsal. You know, but you've got to be dedicated no matter what when you're in a band. And is that the hardest thing today? I think so. I think I it mean, is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've been very fortunate, fortunate rather, in my life to have only had issues with one person in the bands I've been in. Um, and so I'm hoping I have continued that so far. So that's pretty cool. Um, but if you if <laughs> the chemistry's Steve? not there, you're going to be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah I mean, right. obviously, and, um, obviously my experience with some of the people that I've worked with, I mean, it comes down to people forging names on contracts, uh, stealing music, stealing your pay, um, in fact, one rather well-documented when we were doing the – we were actually working with Bitch. We were on tour with one band, and I'm not going to mention their name, Alice, <laughs> um, who uh, actually signed for our pay and took our pay for uh, two of the nights. We had to drop off the tour, and everybody's like, why did you drop off the tour? We got no money. Can't afford yeah. gas to put in the vehicles. And yep. just you, you, see some, you see some people do some ugly-ass things in this business, and we just wanted to keep that out. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have this misconception of bands and being in a band. They think it's like in the movies and on TV, like in the rock star, where you're getting on a bus and you're touring, you're staying in high class hotels, and, and it's not like that. Everything comes out of your pocket, you know. And not that you, you know, yeah. you love to be rich and be millionaires off it, but you're also just trying to, you know, kind of recoup your money and, and get your word and get the name of the band out there. Right. Very true. Yeah. Very true. I'm, so, I don't, I'm trying to not step over Eric. I want Eric to pop you, uh, say a few things too. No, I don't know, honestly. Anything you want. Yeah. Okay, well, fuck it, I'll let it fly. Look at out. You come from a different generation. You're, you're, you're a younger guy. You've kind of come up yeah. through this business and through the music industry where, you know, the internet is like, you know, the number one thing. It's king, MP3s, you know, and iTunes. Where, you know, we kind of come yeah. from like a day where we had cassettes and vinyl. So you kind of been right. brought up in the newer generation of, of music, the business and as a fan. You know, how do you look at it like when you get someone with Steve who's like like old school and knows how it should be or you know the way things should go? Well, for what it's worth, I think that I may be I represent uh, the uh, last death rattle of physical music. I mean, I'm looking right now. <laughs> I'm looking Which right why now. He's the perfect guy. <laughs> I'm looking at my stacks and stacks of CDs. You know, I mean, they're they're borderline useless plastic if they didn't have all the wonderful things in the world in them. You know. Um, <laughs> As far as far as the business aspect of it, I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty green to that part. But as far as the representation and what being an, uh, a musician means, I think we see eye to eye on a lot of it because I think we have very similar vo- uh, values when it comes to creation and getting it out there. I, I, rep- I respect and I adore the physical format. I understand completely why it's much easier to just pop a song on iTunes and, and rake in more money that way. You can do it quicker. You can be with the same sort of pulse of the society listening to you. But goddamn, man, opening up a CD for me, I mean, vinyl, cassettes are different, of course, uh, A-tracks, whatever. Um, uh, opening up a CD, man, it's a big thing. I mean, that's where that little that twinge of magic in, uh, in music is, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's unveiling something. It's unwrapping. It's a gift. And Absolutely. if it's not a gift, you know, what is it? No, you're exactly. 100% right. Absolutely. And, you know, like the band has the word art in the name of it because that's, you know, what it is. And I guess sometimes getting caught between the business end of it and, like, you know, your artistic end is difficult because you want to make it a financially, you know, viable outlet in a band, but you don't want it to interfere with the artistic side of it, too, because it does have an effect on it. Sure. Very true. Very true. It's, 
you got to remember that at the end of the day, I mean, if that, that's, that goes back to what we were talking about with uh, guys like Rob Flynn talking about the motivation and the pay behind it. Um, if you're doing this specifically because, hey, if I write a better song, I'll get a bigger paycheck, I think your values are uh, compromised. I think what happens specifically with me is you've got to get that emotion, that that song, that little bit of anger out of your head and convert it, convert it into a form of art. It's just got to be that, um, whatever that may be, whatever your motivation may be, but you've got to get it out and share it with people. And if they respond to it, that so much the better. But it just seems like a lot of people are so worried, you know, and, and rightfully so, because their their livelihood is dependent on it. Uh, you know, they got to feed their kids, they got to put gas in their car, they got to do whatever they've got to do. Um, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to say that we're not that, but we're not. Um, this is all everything in this bit of our life is gravy. It's a joy. I mean, we get to. We get to give this. We get to create this. But at the end of the doggone day, like, you know, you talk about where you work, Mike. And, you know, we've, we've talked offline about uh, organizations that we've worked for. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's you, when you oh, – okay, I'm stumbling over myself here. When you become a musician and you're essentially treating it like it's your job, you're going to hate getting up every day. True. Yeah. True. So, yeah, there's that. The, no, I, I for my, for my money, the best metal created is through adversity, whether that's personal, exactly. societal, whatever. And so when I hear somebody saying, you know, I'm not making as much money as I used to be, that's hard. Take that. But don't bitch about it. I'm sorry. Like, right. You chose to do something that is not for everybody. And when you choose to do that, that's your choice. But you've got to live up to it. You know, I mean, I know that there's, this business is crooked as shit just from what I've heard. I, I'm lucky enough to have not seen much of it yet. Like um, you come to New York. No matter how big the band is, be good or fuck off, because I'm not interested otherwise. i got too little time. Yeah. There, there you go, and that's actually what it really comes down to. Um, you know, it could be, we could be motivated by selling thousands upon thousands of records, or we could be motivated by what is the best song we can possibly do? How can I channel this and get this out and get it represented properly? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, like, you know, you've been in this like a long time, and you know, it's like a roller coaster. There's ups and downs and everything. I mean, one day this is the most popular thing in the world. The next thing, nobody wants to know, know about you or what it is anymore. And, you know, we're on an incline right now. I mean, everybody's getting into it again. It's never going to be what it was in the 80s. We all know that. But, you know, you guys have grown up this for 10 years, and this has been your baby. But even though it's your baby, it's always been a band. And all four guys, you know, they have a say, and they all feel like they're a part of the band. But, you know, do you, do you, like, try to get them more involved in, like, everything else? Or do you, like, having, like, that control where maybe, like, in the early band, you, know, you kind of have to split that because it, was, it wasn't really your baby? Um, control is probably not the word I would want to use because that sounds authoritarian and, like, di- like a dictator. Yeah, um, like the that. way I look at it is this, is that I've always had this. What you've heard throughout the entire history of Anger is Art has pretty much been this thing that I've been trying to get out of my head that I couldn't even do in another band, say Tactics, for example. It just it didn't quite come out that way, um, probably because I had a lot more hope back then. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it, it, um, it's a kind of a thing of like, look, here's what we want to do. That was the, the important thing about doing that first record with myself playing everything. It's kind of like what I had gone through for the last prior 15 years. It's like, okay, look, guys. I know everybody got in here and you kind of whittled it out and turned it into your thing. Here's what I want to do. 
And if you like it, if you believe in this, get into this fantastic. Let's all get in this thing and let's drive it. But if you're not, then move on. And that's kind of been it. I mean, people have bought into it. Uh, fan base has bought into it, which continues to grow in different places around the world that I see every day. And it's, I think we tapped into something that what I finally started to see, specifically since the release of uh, Hubris, was I finally started to see a lot of these people going away, the people that would constantly say, oh, this is just a stopgap until Abattoir gets back together. No. Uh, Abattoir got back together three times. Each time it ended in an abysmal failure for me. And I just, you know, I'm done with it. That's not my project. That's not my, my, my thing. I don't want to do that. This is what I want to do. I can't write for any other band. Um, this is, is just this. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Plus, I think my towers is better anyway. No, I'm just breaking your phone. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I said, plus, I think my towers is better anyway. So. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said my cow, like my cow from no, Heretic no. and Metal Church. I'm going, when, no, when did he get into the thing? <laughs> no, you know, I, you know I, I, I know that you played all the instruments on, on the first record, but a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people that just come by the band now don't realize that you were, you know, the only one playing it. Did you prefer playing by yourself with that album? Um, for that album, it was important because, I mean, what happened, that was an accident. That was a demo. I mean, literally at that point in time in my life, I was done. I figured, okay, every band crashed and burned within about a two-week period. And I had all these songs that I kept trying to show to Abattoir, to Bloodlust, to Dreams of Damnation, to Pagan War Machine, and to, I think it was, uh, I think Bitch was actually starting to work at that point in time, too. And they didn't want to hear anything I had to write. No, you know, if you want to write songs, you've got to start your own band, is what I've been told. And it's like, well, okay, fine, look, I mean, no, obviously I'm not going to chase anybody else. At that point in time, I was going to turn 40. Oh, boy, I was going to get old. And (laughs) I just decided, you know, this is going to be be my last hurrah. I'm going to throw this out, put it out on the Internet, and that's going to be the end of that. What's funny is I tried to get some of my friends who were lead guitar players in, and I cannot play lead guitar to save my life. I structure every solo. If I miss a note, I'm screwed. I'm just that that feeble. But (laughs) all these guitar players kept coming in saying, well, if you want me to do it, then I'm going to have to get paid this and you're going to have to change this part and do that and you have to double this part and I refuse to play a solo in that key it's like bye so I just hammered out these stupid ass little solos and released it and it it exploded I hadn't seen a response to anything like that since back in the 80s I I had never seen that it was fascinating and there it went well you know what it's 10 years down the road now man I mean it it goes by the blink of an eye I mean I can't believe it's that that long down already but you guys just re-recorded a song off of Callus of Fury. I mean, this is the first tune that Eric's played on, right, Eric? That is correct. That's correct, yeah. I saw the little video when you guys were recording it. I, I love watching you play bass, man. I have to tell you. Thanks, man. That was sort of my... Uh, that, was, that was cool. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you got me to pick up my old bass after that. I looked, I said, you know, let me put this back down again. I said, I can't even attempt it. <laughs> it, it. What was fun about that was... Um, we're look, we had been offered to do a free song for quite a while, and uh, this was through a friend of ours, a guy named Ron Sandoval, who sings for a band called Redmatics and has a recording studio and a rehearsal studio. He's well, well documented here in the Los Angeles scene. Anyway, he had been after us for a while. Let's get in and record a song. And we was like, well, we have no, mater- no new material ready and don't really want to do a cover. And he says, how about re-recording a song that you think needs to be seen again or heard again? And we just decided to hit Race for the War once again. And it was really that simple. Sounds yeah. simple to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. 
Well, it's I'm good to have Eric playing on a song, too, because, you know, the next album might be a year or two away. I mean, you've been pretty consistent with albums over the last 10 years. You know, so I, I don't think we'll be waiting too far down the road for a new one. But it's great to hear him play on something, you know, because when you get a new player in the band, especially somebody that good, it's nice to hear him be a part of it. And I noticed, Eric, in the video that Steve talked the phone for you, you were sitting down in the chair playing. Did you sit down not to make the old people feel bad that they sit down when they play, or did you just do it because you were tired that day? You rad motherfucker. Well, well you know, I, I, figured, I figured my chair has little wheels on the bottom. Their chairs have big wheels on the sides. I just wanted to meet them half <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what the best thing about that recording was, though? Uh, in the previous recording, I wasn't really happy with the vocal track, so I was able to come back and do a different vocal track on this. Um, but the most important thing to me was Eric's background vocals, because I think we've been searching for somebody to just come in, like somewhere between singing and growling and doing that. In Eric's previous bands, he's been the lead vocalist and bass player, so we were going to start using that from this point forward. And it was great to hear how the voice recorded and blended, and I'm stoked about that, too. Yeah, I'm going to play and, it and later on. Yeah, I've been? given Ron, Ron a whole lot of feedback on that, but he made me sound better on that recording than I've ever sounded to my ear or on recording before in my life. So I, I was really happy with it. It came out great, I think. It yeah. did come out good. It did. Eric, what happened with, the, with your other band, Necroscope? Did, you, uh, did that band break up before you joined? or? Well, I... It's hard. Um, Necroscope, we ran for a little bit, and we had a little bit of a following in L.A. and, like, the Inland Empire area, which is more inland, um, I guess. But uh, we uh, we just were going in different directions. Uh, we were all in college, and we were all 50 miles from each other. Um, that band dissolved and became another band called Abstract Prayer, which was a little bit more on the, the technical side, which is a little more, like, black metal influence. And we did a demo with my brother on vocals because he is a far better singer than I am. Uh-huh. And we knocked that out. And then, uh, you know, time got in the way. I got it, uh, hired by a new job. And uh, we're, we're on indefinite hiatus, let's put it that way. <laughs> I got that. Well, you know, Eric, a lot of people know you from being in the Metal Evolution. You had the clip in there when you were talking about music and everything. Is, is Sam done an ass, or was he good enough to come there and do it himself? Did he have his, like, assistants do all the work? <laughs> Sam Dunn is an extremely kind human being. Um, yeah. He he pulled me out of, I think, I don't know, 700 people had contacted him to be involved. And I had my email, I sent him just saying, you know, metal changed my life, and I'm, I want to talk to you about that. And he got back to me. We did an interview in L.A. The sound was shit. And so he came out to my house. We did it in my bedroom, much to my increasing chagrin as I get older. Um, but, uh, <laughs> chagrin, I like that. Yeah. But, uh, no, Sam Dunn's a great guy. His producer, Scott McFadden, uh, they're both just great dudes who love music. And, uh, I mean, I think that's come through in the documentaries. I think they're, without my scene at all, that would have been a great movie. Um, and I think they've kept that up. Well, you know what? I'll blow smoke up your ass. Your scene made it even better. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, Steve, you're heading over here to New York this week. You're going to be in New Jersey on Wednesday. You're going to be in New York. You're going to be in my hometown of Brooklyn, even though I haven't lived there in 25 years, on Thursday. Wow. So, I mean, I'm coming to I, – unfortunately, they won't let me take off two days this week from work, so I, I'll be there Thursday in Brooklyn to see you guys. And, but then you're going to Puerto Rico, and that's not the first time you've been there. This is the second time or the third time you're going over there, right? This will be the second time, and this time around uh, – it we could go on and on for hours about how great the metal scene is in Puerto Rico. I can't even begin to tell you um, – but it's a long story, so I'll begin to tell you. Uh, one of my good friends, a guy, a guy named Robert Acevedo, who uh, lives here in Los Angeles now, grew up in Puerto Rico. 
and he happened to live in a few blocks away, and this is at the time when Avatar was happening. And we're thinking, you know, he, we meet him, and he goes, you guys have no idea how big you are in, in Puerto Rico. And I go, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, fine, whatever. At that point in time, pre-internet, um, you know, you're thinking, Puerto Rico's the other side of the world. Who really knows and whatever. Didn't think twice about it. He'd been telling me this for years. And then, of course, the advent of the internet, you find out all these people are actually, you know, in, not only just fans of you, but incredible metal fans, knowledgeable, deep knowledge base. Um, so we went there uh, in December of 2012, first time ever, and of course learned a few Avatar songs as well, played them, and it was amazing to get uh, out of the airport and have people recognize you. As I mean, it's 11:30, 12 o'clock at night, pouring down rain, and we're walking through the airport soaking wet, and people are waving, "Oh my God, it's them!" It's like, really, this can't be happening. The following day, we were sightseeing in old San Juan, and these metalheads, I mean, old school, I mean, it's, you got to remember, it's like 95, 98 degrees with 120% humidity, wearing their leathers and their denim with spikes and everything. They stop their cars in the middle of this tourist attraction, run across the street screaming, ah, and they come give you a big hug and want their pictures taken. Cars are honking to get their, move their other cars out of the way. I had no idea. So... We ended up playing this show. We expected probably 150 people. I think there was like 600 people when we played. And they knew the songs. They knew the Avatar songs. They went apeshit nuts. And I would put them up against Germany any day of the week. I mean, wow. people constantly, like even, uh, even Mauricio said earlier, talked about uh, the great metal fans in Germany. And they're fantastic. I would put Puerto Rico up against uh, Germany any day of the week. You know, they were just that, that good. Everybody said that. You know how you know? Yeah. Gassy, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're playing with uh, it's, it, this uh, Metal Expo convention. There's quite a few big bands, but the day we're playing, uh, some of our pals, a uh, band from here in L.A. called Warbringer, they're on, yeah. the, they're on the bill, and I can't wait to see how those guys go down. But the bigger thing is going to be we're playing with Raven. I mean, look, look, I'm 49 years old, and I'm geeked because we're actually playing with the Gallagher brothers. We're playing with Raven. Yeah. I, I, you know, the dreams don't stop coming true, and that's the thing that's magic about what we do. This is still, I still look at it with these big eyes, and I think to myself, this is the most amazing thing that I'm actually able to do this, and people care. And we're playing with Raven. We're playing with Six Feet Under. We're play- I can't even count how great this is going to be. <laughs> it's amazing. You know what it is? That's like the fanboy in you that comes out, too, because as much as exactly. you're a musician, people look at you that way. You still feel that way about it. And- Puerto Rico is hot. I'm not, I'm not talking weather-wise. I mean, for, like you said, for rock and metal, it is a. I know it's big because a, a real broadcast radio station on there actually replays my show every Monday. So they either got to be desperate wow. metal or they got to be big over there, one or the other. <laughs> it's a little bit of both. They're desperate for it, and it's big <laughs> over there. It's just, it, it, but it's that's take that as a compliment. That's fantastic. They look up to you, man. Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, I just think they had air time to fill, and I was a free one to put on. So, but what the hell. <laughs> You're going to go, go through such an extreme in like a three-day period. You're going to get to New Jersey where nobody wants to know you. You're going to come to New York where if you don't get robbed of mug in the first 15 minutes, you either get shanked at night by somebody. They're going to play cool. in Puerto Rico. They're going to put you on the shoulders and carry you around the town until you play. That's why Puerto Rico's last. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was smart that way. <laughs> Perfect planning. No, but it's going to be great. You're on, the, you're on the bill with a lot of great bands here in New York, a lot of local bands that have really got a great following over here, and you're going to do really well over here. People yeah, are going to go looking nuts. Forward to, I'm looking forward to actually being able to shake your hand for the first time. How long have we known each other? But this is going to be it, man. First time we've yeah. ever actually met. I can't wait. It's going to so, be fantastic. I'm hoping I feel better that way so I can get a little bit more drunk with you. But uh, you well, what, are you, what are you dealing with? What's your, what's your illness that you're dealing with? 
Well, it's usually my wife, but this time it's just, I don't know, cold flu, something else. I, I can't kick this. It's in my chest, my throat. It's, you know, it's been brutally cold here, and you guys are coming in. It's like 50 right now. It's going to drop down to, into the teams on, thir- uh, on Monday night going into Tuesday. And we're going to get like yeah, a foot of snow on Tuesday the same. So you guys are going to come in. A snowstorm It's going to be ice cold. And then when you leave, it's going to go back up to the six- This is it. It's, it's 10 degrees one day and 60 degrees the next day. We're all getting sick from it. It's killing us. Yeah, I know. I can imagine. So, yeah, we're, we're doing all of our vitamins and stuff like that and trying to be yeah, good and healthy. Winter coat. Stop by Big Lots and get a winter coat before you come because it's going to be cold. <laughs> yeah, and they have nice winter coats, don't they? They got Parkers for $2. I picked up two yesterday. $2 hooded Parkers. Cut down from $16. Here's the thing. It, in Big Lots out here in Los Angeles, they don't sell Parkers. Yeah, that's true. Come on, man. I, I go, we go outside right now. It's like what? We're, it's got to be, what, 75 degrees outside in the sunshine? Oh, God. I'll bring, I'll bring a couple of mine with me. I'll bring a couple of mine. I should have picked them off. I should have got them as welcoming gifts. I should have got the whole band Parkers. I didn't realize it was going to snow that much. But then again, I could be wrong. They say a foot, it could be an inch. I say a foot, it's an inch. So I'm sure the weather's the same. Uh, it's it's going to be nice to deal with all that yeah. global warming up there, though. <laughs> nah, you'll have a good That'll time. That's the story we tell about New York. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Hopefully the weather will yeah, hold off be- and you'll get in here with no trouble, no problems, and... It's going to be a great couple of days of shows. But, yeah, you know, it's funny that you can go to Puerto Rico and overseas and have such great audiences and crowds. But here in America, it's like, you know, we're so trendy. Like, nothing even matters anymore. It's just a shame. It, it kills me that we've become that kind of place. We always have been, but it just seems maybe I'm getting older now. I notice it more than ever. Well, it probably has to do with the fact that everything's online. I mean, you get, like yeah. uh, everybody was saying, you get your information immediately. So y- you see the trends happening here in America so fast. You know, what do you do? No, and also, we're goddamn it. spoiled. <laughs> I mean, yeah. gr- growing up in the L.A. metal scene, like, we were spoiled for choice, you know? And I, before I was playing in bands, I was like, who do I want to see this weekend? Do I want to see Atheist or Exodus or, this, you know, band X, Y, or Z that are all great? But you yep. go to places where maybe bands aren't playing every week, and you'll get a better reaction, you know? Is the club scene yeah. in L.A. still good? I mean, it, I mean, throughout California, I mean, is it certain places better than others, or is it still a struggle like, to get shows there? That's that's a tough one to answer. It depends on what kind of music you do and what you're willing to do for it. Um, I know that, believe it or not, the Bay Area is real tough right now. We've got a good following in the Bay Area, and everybody we talk to says, we don't know where where to book you at. So we play out of town in Sacramento, for example, and which is about 80 miles out of the Bay Area. Um, in L.A., for example, uh, it's the, the big clubs. Your whiskeys, your Roxy's are always going to be there. But... The people that really do the metal stuff, this underground metal, nobody wants to actually play there because of uh, you don't get you don't like getting treated like a piece of meat. I mean, literally, the bouncers will walk through there and they'll tell you, "Don't stand there, don't lean on that wall, don't do this." Uh, I'm working yeah, here. Yeah. It just it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. But there's a whole lot of underground that happens here in LA that is booming and lively. And even like what Eric was saying about how spoiled we were, uh, I was going to make the comment about Iron Maiden, for example. It seems like whenever Maiden tours, they make two stops in America anymore. It's either Greater New York area or the Greater Los Angeles area. True. And uh, we get contacted by all of our friends. Hey, are you going to are you going to go to see Maiden? So, well, I wasn't planning on it. And well, I'm coming down from Seattle, or I'm coming from Salt Lake City, or I'm coming from Phoenix, or whatever. And it's like, and you have to stop and think. Well, wow, Iron Maiden's not playing any of those markets, but they're playing Los Angeles. Yes, we're spoiled. 
Yeah. yeah. No, you can't you can't help it when you come from a big city. I mean, that's one of the benefits of, you know, being there. Is that you'll get oh, yeah. more attention like that. You know, people out in the Midwest, like you said, they would have to fly, drive eight or nine hours to go see a show somewhere. It's you know, it's impossible and but it does make it difficult for bands too because today it seems like everything is live, you know, because people don't buy albums like they used to. And how can right. you get out if you can't afford to even, you know, make money off the records? How do you get out on the road? It's true. You got to pick your spots. I mean, I would love to have. Uh, I would love it if we would have gone out for three, four months straight, like you used to be able to. But um, now you got to pick your spots. You got to pick, like for example, the Puerto Rico is taking care of everything that makes the whole New York thing feasible. And the only reason why New York is feasible is because all the planes fly through there. Yeah. So we figure, well, hey, if we not if we get off the plane a couple days early, then we can actually play in New York for the first time. And that's yeah. the only way this was uh, uh, actually possible. But you know, touring is difficult now, and it, it's tough. But you got to pick out the spots. You got to go in with low expectations and be pleasantly surprised. It's it's tough, man. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you know I'm here in New York. When you, you know you're making that layover before Puerto Rico, so you can play. I'm just glad you're not taking Malaysia Airlines because this show might not ever happen. Then I really get screwed. I would never see you guys. <laughs> Who the hell knows where you'd wind up? Dude, I got to tell you, the other day, I mean, where I work is in downtown Los Angeles, and all the planes that come into LAX, they, they, they hang a big turnaround right over our heads. So anyway, I'm looking up there. It was uh, break time at work. I walked outside, and there came a Malaysia 777. It was flying oh. over, and everywhere, we're all pointing and looking. <laughs> there it is! There it is! <laughs> and, dude, I seriously should not joke at the demise of all those people. Who knows what actually happened, but I can imagine... I'm sure we all saw the video of the the one woman from uh, China who was trying to get information. She was dragged out. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, those people are suffering, man. I wish they'd get some answers. Well, that's just it. Nobody knows anything. Yeah, it's amazing. It was like Hillary Clinton was in charge of that investigation. <laughs> Stop. Stop anything. right now. I was going to get you going, but I'm looking at the time. Like, I only got 10 minutes left in the show. I can't get them going. And that's why I'm saying stop right now. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I will tell you this, though, and I'm just going to leave this open-ended. Considering the way Rutgers University treated Condoleezza Rice, can you believe they're going to let me in the same city? I know. You're you're not far from me. You're playing, like, like literally blocks away, 15 minutes away. Yeah, it's like, it's right literally within the campus area, if you will. Yeah. uh, that's the only reason I'm going to the show in Brooklyn, because I can only take off one night. I want to spend both nights with you guys, but I can't because of work. But there's nowhere to park in that area. It's like everything's like, you know, buses to get there because of the college. It's a college town. So I figure, you know what, right. well, I'll just drive to Brooklyn. It's easy for me. But the people that live there, you know, they're used to that in New Jersey. They just go, they get on the buses, they go right there, you know. Plus, you got a yeah. big college. Like I said, it's a big college place over there. That place is going to be packed that day. I'm certainly hoping so. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, and Brooklyn, I'll see you in Brooklyn over there. Forget it. You, You'd be lucky if you make it out of there alive in that neighborhood. You're in Bushwick, I think. <laughs> oh, we'll be fine. We'll just walk down the street. Everything will be great. They love Californians. Oh, yeah. They don't even love people. <laughs> if you come from the next town over in Brooklyn, they don't want you there. You can forget it. No, yeah, it's, it's very much place. like that, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a good place. You know, when you come here, I'm going to make up a little Italian care package. Some Italian pastry, some Italian lard oh. bread. So you got stuff to eat on the plane or in the hotel tonight when you go back. Oh, you're all right, because we were literally awesome, thinking, how in the hell are we yeah. going to squeeze in a meal between that, that and the plane? Well, we love you, man. Oh, I'll bring you plenty of stuff. You know what? Just to appease my Jewish friends, because you know, there's a lot of Jews in New York. I don't know if you, heard, if you know that or not. I'll bring you some really? bagels. Really? Yeah, there's a few of them oh. here. I'll bring you some bagels, too, to make them happy. That we my have some God, bagels. you guys have bagels in New York, too? Yeah. Really? amazing. Yeah. Mike, what's you a know, bagel? It's like this round bread thing that they came up with. I don't know. Mox is at a thing right oh, now. You, 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 you can get plain donuts. 
Oh, man. <laughs> Eric, Eric, have you ever had a bagel before? Uh, a bagel? No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not big on board games. Yeah, but these are real New York. i tell you one thing about New York. As much as I hate this place sometimes, you can't beat the bread here. Anything with bread and donuts and, and bagels, you can't be- New York's are the best. I'm going to get you a nice bag of bagels to take with you. I'll even throw in the real butter. I won't even give you like, you know, I can't believe it's not butter butter. I'll throw in some real oh. butter for you. I'll get you some prosciutto bread, a nice Italian meat bread I'll bring you, some Italian pastries. You guys will pig out that night because there's nothing really open in that area to eat with that at that time of night, you know? <sighs> Dude, I'm already full thinking about it. It's funny, yeah. a couple of guys were talking about coming up from Philly, and uh, they were talking about, you know, we need to get and eat, so it sounds like everybody wants to bring food. <laughs> Let's do hey, it. we're New York. Of That's course. We have. We, have no attitude. we have no personalities, we're all attitudes, so we'll bring you food. <laughs> I'll, even bring you, I'll even bring you the best pizza that they make from Goodfellas out here in, in Staten Island. It's one they wore for the best pizza in the world, like 10 years in a row. I'll bring you the vodka. Is that right? Yeah. It might be ice cold by the time I get there because it's going to be 10 below, but I'm sure you can heat it up in the club. Oh, hell yeah. That sounds good. I'm excited. Well, I was excited before, but now I'm really excited. Yeah, well, I got to welcome you here some way or another, right? My wife won't have you guys in the house. She thinks she's going to get raped, so I can't invite you over here. So I'll take you to the club. I'll have everything over there. (laughs) (laughs) She sees you four guys walking and forget about it. She'll be ringing the fire alarm. Oh, man. Wow, we're going to have a good time when you get here. And I want this to keep going forever, Steve and Eric, but there's only 10 minutes left. I want to play that new song. I want to get gotcha. on something old. I'll just randomly pick something out and, and throw it on. We'll see what comes up over there. But I'm looking forward to this weekend. Tell everybody where you're going to be at Wednesday and Thursday, if you remember. Eric, you want to hit it? Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you're playing you don't at have the one in front of you, do you? I know we're at the Acheron, uh, the Acheron, whatever, in uh, Brooklyn on Thursday. I'm not sure about the name of the club there in New Jersey. Okay, in New Court Jersey, and it's going to be in New Brunswick. It's called the Court Tavern, and that's going to be on Wednesday. Or, yes, Wednesday. Wednesday night. It's going to be a great show, man. And, and Thursday in Brooklyn at the Acheron, and then you're off to Puerto Rico where they'll treat you like the Kings you are. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Oh, and also a quick shout-out to Vinny and Signature Rip for putting this on, man. We really appreciate them working with us and making this a reality. Absolutely. He puts on a lot of great shows here in the, the tri He does. He's actually brand He's, new. I'm looking forward to meeting him as well because almost everybody here in LA is like, you're going to go talk to Vinny? You're going to see Vinny? Yeah. Oh, tell him I said hi. So there's a whole bunch of people that are excited about, uh, about it, and I'm sure we're going to see why. So we're looking That's forward to it big time. Looking forward to sharing the stage with Crypto. I've been listening to them ever since we got both of them, and it sounds really good. So Yeah, I agree. They are fantastic. Yeah, they are. It's going to be a great show. Well, listen, guys, thank you very much. A couple of days, I'll see you guys in the flesh. We'll have a good time. And let everybody hear the new version of Race for the War with Eric on base. How does that sound? Awesome. awesome. Go for it. All right, guys. Sorry I'm so sick today, and I'm I'm hoarse. But thanks for dealing with it. Yeah, well, Mikey. We'll see you on uh, on Thursday. That's right. I'll see you Thursday night, guys. Take care. Thanks, bud. Thanks for everything. We'll talk to you then. Anytime. Anger is on. Race for the war. Ah.
Ride. That's Race for the War 2014 with Eric on bass. That kid's an amazing bass player. Man, yeah. he's so solid. I hate saying kid, you know, because he's a grown man, but, like, you know, when you get to be our age, everybody seems like yeah. they're a kid these days, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, let me see what I got coming up. Uh, oh, this there is in the middle matinee. It's uh, Muscles of Metal. It's all metal guys that have muscles, so that's what we're doing this Thursday. And next week, we were supposed to have uh, Rob and Keith from Desolation Angels, that new wave of British heavy metal band from the 80s. Oh. I did the interview with them today because they were recording the new record. They were all in the studio, so they wanted to do it today. And the interview just recorded like crap. We had so many problems with the sound quality. It just oh. didn't work out, and I can't possibly air it. So I'm going to talk to them about maybe doing it again somewhere in the future, and I'll get them on. It was a great interview, too. You know, I just... I can't hear it the way it was. It was all staticky. You can't hear them. And, and what was funny is, like, we were doing the Skype. You can see it's, like, the first time they were using it. And they had the video camera on. And I don't have the video on my Skype when I was doing it. And as they're talking to me, they're speaking to the, to the microphone. And I think you see the face going right up to the monitor. And as I'm talking, they got the ear next to the thing. And you see the ear. I'm looking inside the ear. I feel like a doctor doing an examination. Oh, that's hilarious. It was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to try to get them on again. But next week, we have Greg Maniscalco from Righteous Sin, that band from the 80s here in New York. They got back together. They got a new record out. We'll talk to him. And I think the week after that, we have uh, Damon Johnson and Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders, the new Finn version of Finn Lizzy. Right, so right. we're looking forward to that. So great couple of shows coming up. And I think we're going to take it easy next month. The interview is try to keep maybe one a week or even some weeks without anybody, just so we can bullshit and play music. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, we get bogged down with interviews sometimes. All right, well, let's wrap things up here because, unfortunately, Connor needs me tonight, and I uh, have to serve my uh, my company in the next hour. So taking the, taking the wife to Disney in June, so i got to work every Sunday overtime to pay for this damn trip. I get a couple of hours. Yeah, a few here, a few there. It helps out. But I said I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank all of my guests, Eric Bryan and Steve Gaines from Anger Resort. Great bunch of guys. Looking forward to meeting them this Thursday. And if you're in New Jersey, go and see them Wednesday. If you're in New York, go Thursday or go to boat shows if you can. Don't miss these guys. You never know when we're going to get them back here again. And I know we interviewed somebody before that. Who the hell was it? Ah, Maurizio Iacono, my <laughs> Italian-French-Canadian friend from Cataclysm. They're also playing in St. Vitus in Brooklyn this week, so check all these shows out. All right, buddy, I will talk to you later on. And you know what? There's only like a minute left in the show, so I'm going to get on an Anger of Art song. I think since we played the reworking of Race for Wharf of uh, Callus and Anger, we'll get on... Callus of Fury, I'm sorry, excuse me. We'll get on another song off that one, and uh, this will be for the people that play back the podcast later on. You get an extra uh, AAA tune today. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, buddy, I will talk to you this week. All right, buddy. Take care. Take care. All right, everybody. Good night. Stick around for the podcast. You can hear the entire song of Nation of Teeth.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.